You're listening to the Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Well, hey there, welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited to spend the next while with you because I have some really exciting, juicy stuff to share with you today, and we're going to be running this episode a little bit differently than usual. First, I want to give you a little bit of a personal update, a little bit of a reflection as we close out 2019. I've got some thank yous to say, and I want to say them to you, uh, to the person listening to this, wherever you are. And by the way, totally snap a selfie or a screenshot um, because I would love to see where you are. It's always so much fun. Um, And you can share that with me on my stories. But yeah, I want to say thank you to you and I want to share a little bit of what we've accomplished here at The Parenting Junkie and at Present Play over 2019 and what we're looking forward to in 2020. Um, So I'm just briefly going to touch on that. And then what I would love to do is share with you uh, some favorite highlight moments of mine around the holiday theme. So you may have seen these in my videos in the past, but I'm kind of bringing them back. I'm going to play them for you here on the podcast. And if you want to see the videos with all the beautiful footage and stuff that goes into the visual aspect of these, then I will link them in the show notes for today's episode. However, um, if you want to just get the download, the bottom line of what I think on some rather controversial topics around the holidays, then stay tuned because I will be sharing those soon. I'm going to talk about whether or not you should share the truth about Santa with your children. And of course, this is going to be applied to other things such as the tooth fairy and that kind of thing. I'm going to share that. Then I'm going to play another video I did about Elf on the Shelf and how I think we can adapt this from a kind of a harmful, um, you know, tradition at times to something that could be more positive and connective. And then I'm going to share with you a letter that I've written to your family. Yes, that's right. I have the audacity to write a letter to your family. And of course, it might not apply for you. But many of you were asking me for ways of communicating with our parents or without, you know, with grandparents, with uncles and aunts and sisters and cousins. Um, our approach to buying toys and to minimalism and to the hopes that we don't flood our children with a million and one extra gifts come the holiday season. So, of course, not all of us are celebrating uh, Christmas. I'm not. I'm Jewish. I celebrate Hanukkah. You might be celebrating other th- other holidays or in other ways. But of course, you take what you um, what you can and apply it in the way that it works for your family. So we're about to get into that in just a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of updates and a couple of thank yous, like I said. So first of all, I want to say a huge thank you to you for tuning in to the Parenting Junkie Show this year. This was our first year of podcasting. And I am so grateful to each and every one of you. We have incredible download rates. We have such beautiful reviews on iTunes. And those reviews warm my heart. They energize me. They excite me. My team and I share them on a special little WhatsApp group we have. And we just get all tickled pink and blushing because it really is so much fun to get feedback on the work that you're putting out in the world. It's vulnerable to podcast. It's vulnerable to share on YouTube. And when you do and people take the time to say that it's helped them or that it's inspired them or that they enjoy it and even share that with other people, it is the biggest compliment and it is the biggest fuel 
that we could possibly ask for. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your reviews. If you haven't left one yet, it's always relevant and it helps all this free content that we work very hard to put out in the world to spread further afoot and spread the messages of peace, love, presence, play out to more families around the world. And because you do that kind of thing, you or some people you, um, we actually trended at the top of the iTunes new and noteworthy for a few weeks and then graduated to the top charts of the kid and family category. So it really makes a difference to our work in the world and we really, really appreciate that. This year, we've done some pretty amazing things beyond launching this podcast, which was incredible. With your help, we had an amazing welcoming of a whole new wave of present players coming into our community. Shout out to all of you who are in present play. You guys absolutely rock. This community is incredible. I don't feel isolated in my parenting anymore. Thanks to each and every one of you and the results that you are creating in your homes, the blissful family life that you are working towards and that you are creating every single day, showing up for parenting with such zest and you know, tenacity and creativity is inspiring to me. So we are so grateful to have welcomed over 1,200 members in present play from over 60 countries around the world. It has solidified in my mind and in my team's mind as a movement, as a growing movement, as something that we see as the home for intentional parents, the global village for intentional parents, the place that you go to get that extra training and the accountability and the community that you need as an alternative intentional parent. And we all need that. You know, we get that in our careers. We get that in other fields but we need it in parenting. It's the most meaningful and important job and the project of our lives. And so we need that support. And I'm so grateful to be on the path to be supporting uh, all of those, you know, 1200 plus parents from around the world uh, and for getting support for myself as well there. So thank you so very much for helping us to make that happen. Uh, here's to to years to come of present play. We are raising our children together. This isn't a one and done thing. We are in it year over year, growing and expanding. And to that note, I wanted to share with you guys, you may have seen this in my Instagram uh, stories, but last week, my team and I, shout out to my incredible team, Tamara, Claire, and Tracy. We all huddled together in New York City. And we really spent three days just concentrating on present play and on the parenting junkie and on how we can serve you guys further and further, how we can take it to the next level, how we can reduce a sense of overwhelm or frustration or like you're not having the time of day to implement the things you want and really help you to create the family life that you want, help you to become the parent that you want to be. And I know you already are in so many ways, but we're all on this growth journey. So it was amazing to hash that out with my team. And I just want to tell you, I have all of the goosebumps and the pumped up energy for what's to come because we have some incredible plans. We're really working hard to make this an incredible system almost um, for creating that family bliss that we all seek. And speaking of bliss, that was another thing that happened this year, my retreat in Costa Rica. Uh, 75 of us gathered together in Costa Rica. It was incredible. And we're doing it again this year. And if you would like a spot, uh, over 50% of them are taken already at this point in time, at the point of this recording. So head on over to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash bliss 2020. If you want more information or if you need a customized quote, or if you have any questions whatsoever, we would be so happy to answer them for you. I know it's not in the cards for every 
everyone. But if you can make it, it's just incredible. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I would really love to spend that week with you out in Costa Rica. So yeah, we're just so grateful. Not only did we meet up in Costa Rica, but I personally held present play meetups in Israel, in New York, in London, in New Jersey, and they happened in so many other countries around the world. There were London, there were meetups in Australia, in New Zealand, in uh, Germany, in all different states in America, in Canada, in South America, so many different places had meetups, South Africa. Uh, we had some awesome, amazing present play meetups. And the more we grow our community, the more people become present players, the more likely it is that you can have meetups near you. And that is just so meaningful. So yeah, so much to be grateful for. So much that I am looking back on this year with a sense of pride. And of course, so much to learn from. You know, there were the regular haters over on social media. That happened too. There was a lot of ups and downs within my own family life. We, you know, we grew and we learned, but really over overall, just so much to be grateful for. And looking back on this year with a very full heart and much, much gratitude for you. And because we want to be sustainable for the long haul, because me and my team are here building something that we believe is going to last well into the future and hopefully beyond our lifetimes. You know, we want to establish a place, a home, a movement that supports parents uh, in this alternative present play approach. Uh, you know, for, for generations to come. And as such, we need to pace ourselves. And that is why we take two-week vacation twice a year. So we take these couple of weeks off. I'm going to be disconnecting. We're actually going to be visiting our family in Israel. And of course, I'm going to sneak in a bit of work. Come on, you guys, you know, I love, <laughs> I just love present play so much. It's not going to happen that I don't work at all. We'll definitely have a present play meetup in Israel, but um, I, and shout out to anyone who I'm going to get to meet soon. Um, but yeah, but we are going to be taking some time off. And that's why the next two weeks, you won't see podcasts from me. We will send uh, send some goodies to your inbox, but we're not recording anything new. And this week, I want to play for you some of my favorite holiday themed materials from my YouTube channel because you may have missed them or you may need a refresher. So thanks for letting me ramble here a little bit on the personal side. Hey, do you guys like hearing a bit more about my personal, you know, thoughts and life and the behind the scenes of the business? If you do, let me know in Instagram so that I know to include that a little bit more in the podcast in the future. Um, because at the end of the day, this is for you. <laughs> this has to be something that you enjoy hearing and you like to know about. Um, so yes, I'm going to go ahead and play those videos for you. And I'm going to wish you a very merry holiday season. So without further ado, here's the first one about should you tell your kids the truth about Santa? One of the questions that I get hit with very often is whether or not we should share the truth about Santa Claus. Whether or not it's okay to lie and tell stories in the name of magic and ritual. Now I'm Jewish so specifically Santa Claus has never been an issue in my home but every religion and every culture has their own versions of mythical creatures or stories. Almost all of us are faced with this question. Should we go along with the story? Is it fun and joyful and a magical thing for our kids to connect to or are we undermining our sense of trust and believability? 
Here's my take, and I know that this is a controversial topic, that many of you will have very strong feelings about this one way or another, and have a very strong experience from your own childhood. So, as with all of my content, take it with a grain of salt, take it through your own intuition and your own lens, and your own values about the world. I feel very strongly that my kids need to be able to rely and trust 100% that everything I tell them is the truth. I feel that I cannot take any risks where my children find out that I was cutting corners or white lying or hiding bits of the truth from them. I want them to know in a rock solid, unshakable way that I don't mess with them. And that if I do, it's very clearly a joke that we all are in on. I don't think magic and ritual and story is depleted any by knowing that it's play. I think kids are geniuses at engaging in imaginary play and at suspending their disbelief. And just knowing that something doesn't truly exist scientifically in the actual factual world doesn't diminish from their pleasure of the game. And that's why when it comes to things like the Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus, I personally feel that kids have a right to know that it's a game that it's a story that we're telling them and that it's a fun thing to play. You could say something like, well, Santa isn't real in the real world, but he's real in our imaginations. A lot of people really like to pretend that Santa's real. Would you like to pretend that too? You may not feel the urge to point out or to bring to the forefront the fact that something that is held in a mythical truth isn't real, but I urge you to consider doing so if your children are asking. If they want to know the truth, I think they deserve the truth, and I think that they should be able to always trust that when they come to their parents, they'll get the bottom line. This is because it's just a few short years from now that your child might be asking you the truth about contraceptive or death or war and don't you want them to be coming to you and trusting that you're a reliable source of information? Many of us have been through an experience where we were disillusioned by the adults in our lives, where we were suddenly awakened to the fact that they were withholding important information from us or that they wouldn't expose something that would have helped us and been informative in our lives or that they were playing some kind of game that they knew was a game but we were taking seriously. And many of us have felt the sting of that, where our trust in those adults may have been slightly eroded as a result. I don't want to take that kind of risk with my children, and if it means a little bit less believing in pretend play, I'm fine with that. And when it comes to religion, the same holds true. I think it's absolutely fine and necessary to share our religious views and our philosophies and our beliefs with our children, I just think that we should do so authentically. So things that we know not to be true or that we know to be complicated, to not phrase as rock solid truths, to phrase as we believe or we think or some people believe or there is evidence to show but there's also evidence against. I don't believe that this confuses children. I think we can give them so much more credit than that. They are complex and deep thinkers, and as young as four years old, they're really able to understand the difference between imaginary and reality. With Santa being the example for today, I would say if this is a family ritual that you have and a tradition, enjoy it but enjoy it as you would enjoy a great movie or pretend playing. It doesn't mean that it's real and you don't have to pretend that it's real in order to get the maximum benefit from the magic. In fact, you might enjoy it even a little bit more and your children might too if there isn't that anxiety over really understanding how this works. 
Well, does he really fly through the air on a sled? Does he really visit all the children's houses this night? How does he manage? The time management just doesn't configure. When children are anxious about how things work and they can't get real scientific answers for it, it might actually lead to a little bit level of nervousness and confusion rather than freeing them and liberating them to just enjoy the magic of the story without worrying about the details because it's pretend. So that's my personal approach to things like Santa Claus, although I have very little personal experience with Santa Claus. But this was my approach, for example, at home with the Tooth Fairy. My son asked me, is it real? And I said, no, it's a game that we play. Would you like to play it? And of course he does. It's a really fun game, but there's no reason for him to be disillusioned when I eventually reveal to him that when I said it was real, I lied. Okay, so I'd love to hear your thoughts and feelings about this. Do you tell your kids about Santa? Do you tell them that Santa is real? No shame. Uh, but I would just like to know where you stand on this, whether you agree, disagree, what you've taken from it. Um, we are very much inclusive and embrace diversity here. We celebrate differences and we're not afraid of a difference of opinion. So if you disagree, power to you. I'd love to hear why. And this next video is all about Elf on the Shelf. So let's go ahead and play that one. Every year I get parents asking me what I think of the Elf on the Shelf game. And in case you don't know what that game is, or in case like me, you've never played it or didn't grow up with those traditions, here's the idea. About a month before Christmas time, parents are encouraged to buy a toy elf and place them around the house, moving them while the children are asleep. The idea is that this elf has visited from Santa's workshop and they are spying on the children and reporting back to Santa if the children are well behaved. If the kids are getting good reports from this elf, then Santa will bring them their gifts. And if they're getting bad reports, then Santa will fill their stocking with coal or some other punishment. So what could possibly be wrong with this sweet game? Well, here's the thing. To me, this is kind of a desperate act of parents to use manipulation and materialistic manipulation at that, using extrinsic rewards and punishments to manipulate children to do whatever I say. The first and foremost disturbing thing about the Elf on the Shelf game and any other manipulative game that gets children to conform to my idea of good behavior, and if not, they'll be punished, is that it misunderstands what good behavior truly is. From where I stand, what these parents usually label as bad behavior is any time that children aren't composed. When children break down crying, when they whine, when they have a tantrum or a meltdown, when they have a conflict with their siblings, when they aren't able to use their words and instead they hit or they throw things. Whenever children are having some kind of emotional breakdown, not successfully managing and regulating their emotions, that is labeled as bad behavior. And then the children will get that prize that they so want, their Christmas gifts from Santa, for example. The trouble with this is that it assumes the worst of children and thinks that when children are behaving badly, it's because they could have behaved well, but they made a bad choice. That's not the case in my opinion. It's not the case for you and I, and it's not the case for any human. We all wanna behave well. We all wanna be good. We all wanna treat others well. And if we don't, if I yell at the supermarket cashier, or if I have some kind of road rage, then it's because I'm having a hard time and I haven't got the skills to self-regulate. It's because I either haven't been taught how to do that or because I'm under so much stress that I'm not managing my emotions. 
When children melt down or when they behave badly, it's because they have a need that's not being met. It might be that they're hungry, they're tired, or maybe it's just not developmentally appropriate to expect them not to do that thing. If you deem a 18-month-old touching something that they're not supposed to touch as bad behavior, then that's your own ignorance in not understanding how childhood development works and that 18 months old are wired to physically explore their surroundings. And it's actually on you, the parent, to create a safe environment rather than to punish them when they do what they are designed and wired to do. If you deem your two-year-old having a tantrum as bad behavior, then that's because you don't understand two-year-olds. I hate to say it, but it's just true. Two-year-olds can't manage and can't regulate their feelings. And so when they reach a certain boiling point of emotions, it will explode. And that's a good thing. That's actually good behavior. It's healthy. It's just like pooping. They need to get those emotions out. So if you think you should punish your child because pooping is not pleasant for you, it's stinky for you, and you don't like cleaning it up, then it's because you don't understand the human digestive system. And if you think punishing your child for letting their feelings out, for crying, for whining, or even for hitting, then it's because you don't understand the human developmental system. Children don't behave badly because we haven't sufficiently punished them and because we haven't sufficiently rewarded them when they behave well. It's not because we haven't manipulated them enough. It's because they need to learn those skills and because they need to mature and develop them. Plus, we often expect children to go a whole month or however long it is with perfect behavior that we ourselves could never do. Have you gone a whole month without eating something unhealthy? Have you gone a whole month without missing a gym visit? Have you gone a whole month being respectful and calling your mother and father to ask them how they are? Or doing your absolute best work at work and never scrolling through Facebook when you're clocking hours? You know, none of us behave perfectly, but when someone's there measuring us, holding over our head this reward or punishment that we can get only if we're perfectly behaved, then it puts on even more pressure, which generally is going to achieve the opposite of what we wanted. It's not gonna teach them self-regulation. It's not gonna teach them the skills to emotionally regulate and to manage big feelings when they come up, to go through those feelings and express them in a healthy way and then come out the other side. It's gonna teach them to suppress and to control and to oppress themselves. It's gonna teach them to kind of gag themselves and handcuff themselves and stop themselves from the natural urges that they have as developing children. So rather than letting that cry out in your safe arms, rather than saying, I'm so frustrated and so mad, can you help me? They're going to start to try and stop themselves or even start to talk to themselves as if they are failures. Why can't I be perfect? Why can't I be good? Now I'm not gonna get my gifts from Santa. This kind of dialogue just isn't helpful and it isn't healthy. As parents, our role isn't to manipulate children. It isn't to tell them that there's this shiny prize and only if they're perfect can they get it. It's not to make them feel like they're watched by the big brother and that they always need to be good. It's in fact to teach them that there are ups and downs in life and that it's normal and natural for them to go through those every single day. It's normal and natural for them to have difficulty with conflict with their siblings or to be frustrated when they can't have what they want. Those feelings are normal, they can bring them up and they can get mad, sad, 
and they can sometimes get bad, but we need to help them to learn healthier ways of dealing with those, rather than saying the elf is watching you and you won't get what you want if you behave normally. When we teach children they can't hit their sister because the elf will report them to Santa if they do, we are actually giving them a very self-centered message. We're telling them it's not a good idea to hit your sister so long as you're being watched so long as you might get caught. But if there's no chance of getting caught, go ahead and hit her, no problem. We're not teaching them empathy. We're not teaching them that the reason not to hit their sister is because it hurts her. That's the whole reason, not because of what Santa might give or not give you as a result. We're not teaching them true empathy, true thoughtfulness, true caring, and self-regulation. We're teaching them to be regulated by extrinsic values. That is the same as saying you shouldn't speed on the highway if there is police around. But if the police isn't there, go ahead and speed. Of course, that is what happens in reality. And that is the problem with a fear-based system, with an extrinsic-based system. If instead we all internalize the message that speeding endangers ourselves and others, then we might be safer on the roads rather than waiting till the moment we're not going to get caught and then speeding off. This is what we want to teach our children. There is an intrinsic reason, an internal compass that needs to be strengthened, boldened, and put the volume up on that rather than what other people are saying about you. We don't want to teach our children that kind of peer pressure. Today, it's the elf reporting to Santa. Tomorrow, it's the cool girls at school. If they tell you that you should throw up your breakfast every morning, does that mean that you should because if not, they'll punish you by alienating you from the group. And if you do, they'll reward you by giving you social status and including you in the group. Do we really want to teach our children to be controlled by external values, by other people judging them? No, <laughs> no. Do we really want to teach them that we only value them and will only bestow gifts upon them if they are perfect all of the time, if they oppress and suppress themselves, if they pretend like everything's okay, and if they control themselves even when they're bubbling with fear, anxiety, or frustration? Or do we instead want to teach them that our love to them is unconditional, that our abundance and celebration of them is always there, and that we will joyfully celebrate and go through the ups and downs of life with them, that we can tolerate their big feelings and that we're going to teach them to monitor their behavior, not because someone's watching them, not because there is an extrinsic reward or punishment at the end, but because there's an internal reward and punishment to behaving well. When we treat others well, when we contribute to the household, and when we take care of ourselves and our surroundings, it feels good. It feels good knowing that we're good people and that we're helpful. And it's also okay that we're not always perfect and that we have frustrations along the way because that's part of the human story. I, as a parent, as an adult, have many, many, many bad behaviors. This game of elf on the shelf assumes the worst in children. It assumes that if we don't manipulate them, if we don't tell them they're being watched and reported, then they're gonna behave badly. And that if they behave badly, then they're not worthy of our love and that our love should be expressed through material goods. Whew. So what's the good news here? The good news is that Elf on the Shelf can be a really fun game and it doesn't have to be a manipulation. It doesn't have to be that we play this game in order to get something at the end. This is my Elf on the Shelf alternative to suggest to you.
It could just be a joyful, imaginary game that we love to play to experience the magic of this season. Whether it's Elf on the Shelf or Mensch on a Bench or whatever iteration you have in your culture, you could enjoy the fact that you hide him around the house. Perhaps the elf is a listening elf or an empathy elf. He's there to help you to regulate, help you when you have trouble. Perhaps he's there to bring more joy or to spread kindness in this season. Perhaps he gives you little messages or challenges of fun and joyful and connective games that you could play with your family every day. This elf could absolutely align with your values, but it can't be there to manipulate children. And it can't be a lie. The children need to know that this is a game that we're playing. It's orchestrated by the adults and the children, perhaps they join in as well. And it's there for the magic and joy of the season. An elf that reassures your children that they are unconditionally loved and that Christmas or whatever holiday you're celebrating will be a time to celebrate with them unconditionally, no strings attached. Okay, now I realize that we have a very Christmas heavy theme going on here uh, and it's kind of funny coming from me because I don't celebrate Christmas, not being Christian. However, uh, I believe that we can all learn from anything and from anyone and so I hope that even if you don't celebrate, uh, you know, Santa or don't celebrate Elf on the Shelf, you're still taking the themes, the general themes of authenticity, of speaking truth, of all of the things that we've covered in these videos and thinking to yourself, how can this apply to me? Um, and now this final video I'm sure will apply to you in some way. And that is about an influx of stuff coming in from well-meaning family and friends. And I have to say, I'm so grateful to the people who bring us gifts. I mean, how sweet, kind, generous, what a hashtag first world problem that is, right? And of course, I'm the first to say that the first thing we need to do is say thank you and be grateful and just uh, realize what a wonderful, um, what a wonderful thing it is to have people who want to spoil our children in the first place. It's such a gift. However, um, I know that some of us are, you know, able to have an open and honest conversation with our families. And if you are in that boat, then that's wonderful. If you can have an open conversation with your family, if they're open to hearing what your preferences are, then perhaps this might help you. Um, this next video that I'm going to play for you might help you a little bit with phrasing your preferences around a little bit less clutter and a little bit less you know, tidal waves, tsunamis of gifts coming in over the holiday season. So let's play that video. Dear family, I know you don't always get our parenting style. And if I'm honest, we don't always get each of you either. Grandpa may hug the kids a little too roughly. Urgh. Grandma might bribe them with lollipops or money. Mm. Uncle Ben might play violent video games on loop. <sighs> and Gina buys the kids every plastic gizmo that China can manufacture. Thanks, sis. Sometimes you criticize our parenting style. You disagree with us on dietary choices or wish that we could be more strict or less strict, more religious or less religious, more crunchy or less crunchy. That's okay. Our family doesn't have to agree about everything. We know that when you give us your opinion, it's because you care about our kids. We know that even if we don't always love the stuff that you buy, <laughs> we're lucky that anyone is buying our kids stuff at all. And we know that even when some of the stuff you do has a questionable influence on our kids, you're loving family and we love you no matter what. We're committed to being peaceful and accepting of our children, of ourselves and of our family. Even you, Aunt Jen. Sometimes being committed to peaceful and conscious parenting 
to homeschooling or to healthy living can alienate us from the people that we love. There are certain family dynamics that are truly toxic, and in those cases, we have to set firm boundaries. But those annoyances that just rub us the wrong way, like family saying or doing or buying things that we don't love, we can't let those minor grievances come between us and the people that love us. The people who love our kids. The people who make up our extended village, our story, and our heritage. So, dear family, we just want you to know that we know that not everything we do is your cup of tea. And not everything you do is ours. And that's okay. We're going to focus on the gift of special time together. Even if it's rare, even if it's rocky, even if it's a little rough around the edges. Because at the end of the day, despite our differences, and perhaps because of them, we love you. We accept you as you are. We understand your perspective and respect your opinions. And we hope that you feel the same way about us. What connects us is so much more powerful than what separates us. We're excited to spend time with you and enjoy each other's company. Okay, guys, so I hope that you enjoyed this little bit of a different type of episode from me. And I hope that you too will unplug and just stay present with your family, with your experience over these next couple of weeks. And as we round out the year, I hope that you're reflecting on things you're grateful for in this past year. And I'm sure there are also some things that were painful and challenging. And I hope that I'm sending you across the airwaves. I'm sending you some good vibes to enter 2020, start of a new decade with renewed energy and with renewed commitment. We have some real goodies in store for you. So please keep your eyes peeled for those. We have exciting things coming up, exciting offerings, exciting programs, exciting meetups in person, not in person. I'm writing a book. We're planning retreats. We've got all sorts of events coming up. And most particularly is our uh, refurbishment, re rejuvenation, renewal of present play, which we do every year. I mean, we never just rest on our laurels. We're in it for the long haul and we're always refining present play to serve you better and better. So I'm excited. I have to say, I really am very excited for what's to come. And I'm excited for how it's going to influence my own family and how I run my own life because it really is going to help me and empower me in that way. And that's what I want for you too. So Without further ado, wishing you a very happy holiday season and new year, and I will see you in 2020. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Christmas my true love gave to me